Welcome to Power to Speak, the podcast. I'm Jackie Goddard, and it's my mission to help people market themselves effectively and show up powerfully for their audience by using their voice and their story to share their message and ideas. Not only does the podcast allow me to talk to interesting, inspiring and successful individuals, but it gives me and you, dear listener, the opportunity to learn from the best. Whether business or thought leader, entrepreneur or author, what's been their journey and how have they used their voice and their story to create that success? My podcast guest this week is content copywriter and magical storyteller Stefano Capiccione. Stefano runs Puck Creations, where he helps businesses to define their brands with content that spurs the customer into action. But he also spreads a little magic with words. He's an Englishman living in the Netherlands and has been called the king of the wholesome blog. He created Storytelling with Puck to share the magic that words can bring. And with over 7,000 subscribers, stories are shared every week with contributors from all over the world. And Storytelling with Puck 2022 is coming. This is an opportunity for you to share a story. Starting January the 30th and running for eight days, you can join in with Storytelling with Puck. Find out more by following Stefano on LinkedIn. But for now, let's find out from Stefano how it all started. Welcome, Stefano, to Power to Speak, the podcast. So this is Stefano Capiccione, and here you are with me after your many, many travels around the world. We've been trying to <laughs> get this together, this uh, podcast conversation with the two of us, but uh, you've been been traveling Europe, I think, for the last few months. But thank oh, yeah. you so much for spending the time with me today. And Stefano, you run Puck Creations, but you are also a storyteller. So tell us about that. Yes. Um, so how to how to split that up? Actually, they shouldn't really be split up. They're both uh, they're both together. But firstly, before I do that, um, thank you so much for having me on as a guest. I love your podcast, as you know. Um, I advertise it on my podcast quite regularly. <laughs> um, but uh, um, but as you said, uh, yeah, I am uh, a storyteller and. That is a big part of what we do at Puck Creations. We work with businesses to get their stories into the minds of their audiences. But rather than just randomly getting stories out there, there's a reason behind it. It's so that they can use those stories to connect with potential customers. But more than that, also to connect with collaborators, with suppliers. It's a very, very good way of driving emotions. But away from Puck Creations, I also just like telling stories for fun. Um, I make up random stories all the time. Uh, I I recently posted a newsletter on LinkedIn, actually, which um, is a story called The Land of the Lost, um, which maybe at some point, if you you, you don't mind indulging me, I could could read it it to you. Um, But it's it's completely random. And you will see as you go um, further into the story that it's, it's quite a lot of nonsense. But having said that, it actually aligns quite nicely with the other side of what we do at Puck Creations, which is all about defining your brand and understanding who you are as a person or as a business and how it's important that once you've defined that, that you use it within everything you do. And a big part of our brand at Puck Creations is creativity. And so having even nonsense creative stories 
show off our personalities, show off who we are, and it actually works even on a business platform. So um, that's a that's a very little <laughs> introduction yeah. to the two aspects that you're talking about. Though. Yeah, no, I, I'd love to hear a little bit of that, and then and then perhaps after that we can talk about you know the the whole. Th- the whole thing about brand and story and how stories can help with your business. I think that would be a really good way of getting to into that conversation. So yeah, let's have a listen if you've got it there. Perfect. Yeah, I'm happy to. So it's called The Land of the Lost. Maisie could never quite understand it. At the beginning of the day, she was loved, praised, even sometimes hugged. Mary would smell Maisie's coat and hum with contentment before setting off. Of course, Maisie and her sister Melissa would be with Mary every step of the way. The sisters were very protective. They were the last line of defense. If anything passed by the Mickey brothers, Maisie and Melissa would fend it off. Puddles, mud, even sweat. Nothing was too much for these hard-working guardians. No matter how hard Maisie worked, the end of the day always brought a change of the seasons. Mary would push Maisie away, sometimes literally throwing her across the room. Occasionally, she would laugh as she did it. From time to time, she would gag. Once, she was physically sick. Maisie never knew what to do at this point, so she did what she always did. She waited with the others until the day of the spin. Spin day always started with a bath. There were no candles or incense, it wasn't that kind of bath. But it wasn't long before Maisie was completely covered in water. There was no time to sit back and relax as the whole bath would shake from side to side, over and over again, causing the water surrounding Maisie to swirl until she was swept up by its ferocious movement. Spinning, spinning, spinning and finally jolting to a stop. Some days, once the plug was taken from the bath, she would sit for hours, but most days she would be instantly transported to the hanging quarter. Not all of her friends made it that far. They were discarded like gone off food as she was hung out to dry. Once she was free of the damp, she was placed into the comfort of her living quarters, where she could stay for days until her duty started again. Maisie vividly remembers the day that the Mickey brothers were nowhere to be seen. Mary had to go outside and, well, Maisie couldn't let her be alone. She scraped across the hard ground to offer protection to her ward, but it was all too much. Her skin was torn open. She had nothing left. She knew this would be the end. It had happened too many times before. Some of the others had survived in the past, but their cuts were smaller. For most, it was the spin and the bin. What would she do? She had heard of a place, a place where there were no duties, a place where all of her community spent time together. They lost their partners, they felt alone, but they were surrounded by others who had suffered the same fate. She had never tried before, but this was her last hope. The only way to make the escape was to wait for spin day. The routine was the same. The bar filled, the shaking started, and then, There it was, her opportunity. Just before she was carried away into the unstoppable spin, she found the gap and squeezed through. 
a tear in her eye and a tear in her soul. Maisie made it to salvation. Finally, she was reunited with some of her oldest and dearest friends in the land of the lost socks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, excellent. I love that. I love that. And all the way through, I was thinking, dog. Is it a dog? <laughs> is, it a, is it a lost toy? Yeah. No, brilliant. Brilliant. Thanks. So... So when did the storytelling start for you? Oh, that's a hard question. Um, when did storytelling start? I, I, I imagine when I was very young. Um, I imagine when I was a... Uh, I, story reading um, would have started when I was, I don't know, two years old, maybe younger, when, when my parents would read to me. I was very lucky to be brought up in the family that loved books. I was always going to the library, always bringing, um, you know, even 20 books out of the library when they eventually allowed me to do that because there were rules that you were only supposed to bring out 10, but I always brought them back fully read. Um, and I guess that must have inspired me when I was a kid to start writing stories. Um, I remember my brother writing a poem once and that really, really inspired me to to want to write a poem as well because I just loved hearing the rhythm of it all. So, yeah, I guess back then and then as time passed by going through school, I was writing stories constantly, but my I guess my passion for it kind of waned a little because I almost felt a bit constrained by the way that you learned English at school. It was less about learning um, the fun of writing the stories and using your imagination and much more about learning the, the detail of the English language, which I now love. But back then I felt it was taking away the desire. And so, I mean, the simple answer to your question, I guess, is I started writing stories as a kid, started writing professionally maybe about um, five or so years ago. Yeah. So what, what happened in, t in the interim years? Because I have this real thing that what we do as a child, we, we kind of always come back to, but we, we have this, this time where we are kind of constrained by school and work life and what we are expected to do. And somehow that kind of veers us off and we kind of come back to it. Is that something that happened to you? Uh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, to I, I won't go into too much detail about this, but um, sadly, my mum passed away uh, with cancer when I was two days after my 18th birthday. She mm -hmm. she hung on until my 18th birthday, which was yeah. I was very grateful for <laughs> for, for for her doing. But um, as a September baby, uh, that meant that I was. Um, midway through my A-levels, and I was a relatively um, good student. I, I, you know, I did my work, but that year I just stopped. I, I wasn't interested. Um, everything was, I wasn't interested in anything, to be honest. Everything was kind of a side thought and afterthought. And once the A-levels were over, I did okay. Um, I, I can't remember my grades, but I passed everything <laughs> um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, got, got through them. But I didn't want to go to university. I wasn't really interested. Um, I kind of, I I don't think I thought of it like this at the time, but I thought about it since. I think I just wanted to escape um, and just to be away from everything. I wanted to move out of my house. I just wanted to be, you know, my own person and just kind of live. And so 
I had worked out how to earn money and the way that I found was a, a very quick way of earning money without needing lots of qualifications was to go into the sales world. Um, and uh, that's not necessarily true for everyone, by the way, but, but because I really focused on it, I did, I did well. Um, and I managed to, um, to actually earn a, a decent income, which was all a means to an end for what I really wanted to do, which was to go traveling. So the writing was pretty much forgotten about at that point. Um, I was uh, selling IT um, software uh, and if I'm honest, it was really fun. Um, I really, I really enjoyed it, but it definitely wasn't the creative side um, that I had wanted to do before. But yeah, it was always a means to an end, um, and eventually I managed to save up the money and and go travelling. And then that's when you're asking about the in between years, they're the bits I really remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, are the, the traveling, yeah. yeah, I mean, just even looking at your uh, your career now and what you do now, there's a, there seems to be a lot of traveling involved. And as I said in the in the beginning, that that uh, you've you've been away for a, for a few months recently, haven't you? Yeah. So um, this isn't uh, you know asking for sympathy because of what everyone's been through for the last uh, two years. I don't deserve any sympathy at all. Um, but. Uh, being, I guess, constrained in the house uh, during the pandemic for somebody who loves traveling as much as I do, um, it it was difficult. I, I, I needed to get away. I had itchy feet. I wanted to, um, to experience being on the road again. And, but I was also very careful um, because for me, I find it important to make sure that I'm kind of looking looking out for other people, especially with a disease like this. So I didn't want to, you know, be the person who was going around traveling and spreading a disease. Um, but once I had been double vaccinated, um, I thought actually at this point, I'm quite happy to go and uh, see the world a bit more, still being careful. And so I got in my car and um, I live in the Netherlands currently, and I drove from the Netherlands uh, to Italy, um, stopping off in Germany, um, and uh, traveled for two months around around Italy, seeing uh, seeing some absolutely amazing places, um, spending some time with family uh, because I am uh, partly Italian. Um, spending some time with family in the south and also in uh, in Milan, and of course eating what is in my opinion the best food in the world uh, lots of lots of pasta lots of pizza lots of gelato uh and uh, yeah i it, for me it was it was living the life um but at the same time because of the type of work i do i was also able to work so um i would find a way to work in the evening or i would work one day and then have the next day to go and see some sites so yeah i'm very lucky in that way that i can i can go traveling and work um and have a bit of leisure time if that makes sense yeah no that's a, a that is incredibly lucky incredibly lucky so were you on your own did you did you travel solo yes i did for most of the uh, most of the travel. Um, my partner came out and uh, visited me whilst I was in the south in Puglia, uh, where my family are. Uh, so she came out for two weeks. So we um, spent some time with the family and then spent some time traveling around. Actually, um, 
if anybody's seen the latest Bond film, I won't give anything away, uh, but there's a scene at the very beginning in a town in Italy um, in a place called Matera, and that's right next to where my family lives. Um, and I had no idea that it was going to be a Bond film. Um, but yeah, we went and visited there, and it's like a picture postcard. Um, yeah. If you've seen the Bond film, you know what I mean. Some people probably think it's CGI and it's fake, but it actually looks like that. Yeah. <laughs> have, have you seen it? I'm actually going to see it on Thursday. So okay, I won't, I won't give anything else. Out. I will check that out. I'm <laughs> looking forward to seeing that. So you, you you're a bit of a, a mix of uh, Italian and Irish, and you know, do, do you have family in Ireland, Ireland as well? I do, yeah. So, uh, so my dad, um, unfortunately, both my parents have passed away. But my my dad uh, was Italian, um, as we've already discussed. My mum is from or was from the west coast of Ireland in a small town called Clorglan, uh, which is in the county of Kerry. Um, and yeah, I've got loads of uh, loads of cousins. My aunt lives over there, um, and I go back and visit whenever I uh, whenever I can. I, I love Ireland as well. It's it's yeah. it, it's not got the weather of Italy, um, and to be honest, it's not got the food either. But it's got the it's got the scenery, it's got the people, um, it's got the drink. Um, so yeah, it's it's yeah. it's a great part of the world. Um, it's something and, uh, I must do because my my mum, uh, both her parents were were from Ireland. In fact, in that case, she is Irish. Oh well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> she was born over here, but my, yeah, my granddad was from Cork, and my grandmother was from Dublin. Oh, so, and I've never been. I've never been to Ireland. So yeah, that's something I should do. I would. I would recommend it highly. It's. It, it, you're going to have to kind of just take the fact that the weather probably isn't going to be great, but um, it kind of doesn't matter when you're there. You wrap up warm. The beaches are still gorgeous. The mountains are. I mean. Mountains is a strong word. They're, they're big hills, but they're they're, they're 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 beautiful. The way that they're shaped and um, yeah, the landscape is 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 unbelievable. And again, uh, you'll notice from um, having you know family, extended family that are Irish. The people are, are just the best in the world, as far as yeah, I'm concerned. Absolutely. I absolutely love it there. So yeah, I, yes, can I recommend that. it. Yeah. And I have to say, Italy, of all the places in the world that I've been to, is just the most gobsmacking. You know, I mean, I yeah. went to Rome and then sort of outside of Rome and it's just absolutely stunning. And, you know, ancient history on every single corner. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I find incredible about Italy and because you, you mentioned Rome there, um, Rome uh, is full of the places that we all know even if you've never been yeah. to rome everyone knows the Colosseum. everyone knows vatican city technically a different state but um uh, and uh, saint peter's etc um but there are so many small churches which if they were placed anywhere else in the world would be an absolute marvel they would be the highlight of the city yeah. but because they're in rome they're ignored. There's hundreds of them they say on every single corner. So Indeed. obviously travel wise, that must be quite inspiring as a storyteller to, yes. to travel in that way and collect stories. Is that something it, that, you, that you find? Yeah, definitely. So uh, it it's links actually nicely back to what we were talking about with the in-between times of what I was doing kind of um, between school life and, 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 uh, and doing the work that I do now. 
when I first went traveling, that was when I kind of got back into writing because I started writing a journal. Um, it wasn't for anyone else um, at the beginning, but then some of my friends said, why didn't you put it online? So uh, it did eventually uh, go go online. And I've just loved it. I absolutely loved just writing about what was happening, um, putting down my experiences of the day. I wasn't a particularly good writer at the time. Some people might say I'm not a particularly good writer now, but I definitely wasn't a particularly good writer at the time. <laughs> um, and I, but, but it wasn't for that. It wasn't about, I didn't care. It was just about noting down things that happened and gathering stories. And I think what always stands out is that the stories which I remember the most are often involving other people and their generosity or kindness, or sometimes actually the complete opposite, people who you think, hang on a minute, you could have you could have been a bit kinder there or done something better. But if, I, if I'm not looking it up in the journal and you said, do you remember a particular story of travels? Almost instantly, I can think of a few where I just go, yes, and it's because of this person, or it's because of... It's because of this person. But um, sorry, I, I, I waffle on a little bit. And a simple answer to your question is that, yeah, stories are, are, are um, or traveling uh, is a huge inspiration for stories. And, and the newsletter um, that I send out from LinkedIn, where I read The Land of the, the, the Lost Socks <laughs> from a second ago, um, often I'm putting some of my, my, my travel stories on there again. It's all about connection. Um, that, that's the reason they go on there. Sometimes there's some kind of, um, implicit moral i guess but that's that's not really the point <laughs> the point is more just about connection yeah so so where did that start the fact that you very much kind of lead your posts uh the podcast which obviously as you say we kind of advertise on each other's and we've mm. been guests now on each other's yes um where and why do you sort of start with a story where did that come from um so if, if we if we go away again from the traveling a little bit so my first set of travels when i came um when i came back uh there were a few years in between which i won't go into all of the details of because it will bore people but eventually i got into working in the radio um i i was working for global radio who are they own people like classic fm uh and uh, heart and uh, lbc uh i think they have eight commercial uh, stations altogether. They, they, they're absolutely huge. Um, I was working there in sales and marketing because that's my background. That's that's what I do. But whilst I was there, um, I noticed more and more that the companies who were doing well were the companies that even within their adverts, um, which are only 30 second adverts on radio, were managing to tell some kind of little story. Or the companies who, when I looked at their website, had um, some great way of connecting you to them or building rapport, which was usually done via a story. And so I learned more and more about this. I just became interested in it. And I started digging into how this all works, how it all connects together. From a from a background in sales where I I always did sales differently too, I started to realize that one of the reasons that my sales techniques worked was because I didn't go out and shout at people, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. 
it was always about building relationships. It was always about sharing stories with the person that I was talking to, whether or not it was selling IT or if it was selling radio spots. And so this combination of things, seeing how it worked in the creative world, seeing how the marketing side worked and getting an opportunity to be part of that and to actually write some ads as well, um, made me realize even more so how powerful stories can be when they are connected to sales and marketing. Before, I probably would have separated the two. I probably would have thought that stories are a very nice thing that I enjoy as a, either you know something serious that you read in a, um, a, a newspaper um, or as something uh, fictional and kind of enjoyable to, to, to wither away the time. But sales and marketing were something that you would, um, you know, were, transactional almost at least on the point of view of a lot of the kind of top companies out there they felt a bit transactional but then when i realized that the way i do sales is actually a lot more about storytelling and also that storytelling can really connect you that's where the important link lies yeah that's something you know obviously i do within within the coaching that i do when i'm talking to people about uh, what it is that they're presenting and what you know what what message they want to share with their audience is then you know i always go back to stories well tell me tell me about your childhood you know sort of you know, bring out bring out some because it does bring out emotion it it builds trust it builds you know that that emotional connection what advice do you give when you're talking to brands about the importance of storytelling so what's interesting is often when i'm starting to talk to brands and i'm starting to talk to businesses um and I, I almost have this as a, a little bit of a rule in, in general, is I'm not often offering out a lot of advice. Um, what I am doing is showing how it can work for me, if that makes sense. So we do um, defining your brand workshops. And within these workshops, what we're looking at are some key areas of a business's brand, why they are in business in the first place, um, what is it that makes all of their staff get up in the morning, what makes them tick, where they're looking to go five, 10, 15 years down the line, who they're speaking to, um, who their audience are, and, and this is a lot more than just an ideal client, by the way. This is a lot wider when you're thinking about suppliers and collaborators and colleagues. Um, and then we have a look at things like personality and whether or not you're a rebellious type of brand or a mature or conformist or all of this kind of stuff. But as we do in that workshop, the way that we explain things is often through the medium of story. We use stories to get our point across. And throughout that time, as we're using them, we often get asked questions about why we're using those stories. And then we we, we work out whether or not they've got any kind of lesson from the stories that we're telling them, whether or not they've learned about how they can use their brand better. And often the answer is yes. And so then we say, well, the reason we do it this way is because we know and understand that stories are a much, much better way of connecting than just throwing out facts and figures. I should be clear on something because often there's a lot of almost division between facts and figures and stories. As far as I'm concerned, it's not about division. Facts and figures are brilliant and they're really important and people want to find out more about them, but it's the way that you explain them. When you use stories, 
you are, as you have just mentioned, you are connecting with people on a deep and emotional level. You are connecting with them. And again, this doesn't have to be uh, the hero's journey, for example. It doesn't have to be. It's useful sometimes, but it doesn't have to be my life was horrible. Um, it was all down in the dungeons. And then suddenly something happened to pick me back up and the world is great, which is kind of the, the hero's journey. And it was because of me or it was because of this product or it was because of X, Y, and Z. And that's the typical story that people tell for the hero's journey. It can be almost anything, but the important thing is that you are connecting with people on an emotional level. And it needs to be to your style. So that when we're talking to people about defining your brand, and we work out all of those little intricacies about them, what their personality is, um, and all of the stuff that I've just mentioned a second ago, if you're telling stories that aren't connected with that at all, if you're telling stories in a really authoritative manner when you're supposed to be a friendly brand it's not going to work because people will get confused about who you are there's no consistency there's no clarity and so when we when when we're talking to clients and we're doing those workshops like i say it's not necessarily that i give advice it's more about showing how it works for us and then if we get asked we'll explain well this is why it's working for us this is why it can connect connect you. Um, so yeah, that's the, the story side of things. I guess is for me the the key behind it is show don't tell or sh or show and tell if that makes sense. Um, because for example, if I had never met you before and I said, "Nice to meet you," trust me. The chances are you probably think, why is this person saying, trust me? Instantly, <laughs> you'd think, I don't trust this person at all because the first <laughs> thing he said to me is, trust me, it seems a bit odd. <laughs> Whereas if over time I tell you stories potentially about how people had put their trust in me as a business or even as a human, depending on the reason we're meeting, suddenly that trust can build up over time. Yeah. Also, actions speak louder than words as well. So. We're not ending here, just taking a quick break to remind you that you are listening to Power to Speak, the podcast with my guest, Stefano Capiccioni. And we'll be back with Stefano after we hear from our friend, fellow podcaster and master of verbal communication, Andrew Thorpe. We're all in the persuasion business, whether that's pitching to a potential client, selling ourselves in a job interview, or convincing a teenager to tidy their room. How we frame our message and how we deliver it makes all the difference. And this is the theme of my podcast, Leaning Forward. I'm Andrew Thorpe. I'm a speaker, a trainer, and a storyteller. And I'd love you to tune in to our latest episode. So I'm just interested, What when you go into the workshops then, what stories do you share to give examples? I mean, are they are they sort of fairy stories or are they, you know, how, how does that, how, how does it work? They're a mixture. Um, so sometimes there'll be stories about actual things that have happened. There'll be stories about um, other 
other companies we don't usually mention any names because it's uh, unfair to, to, to mention names but other companies and and how they've maybe had a success in a particular way um sometimes they're completely fictional um i won't read this story because it's uh, exclusive for the workshop but there's a story about an iceberg um for example um but the story has a very definitive um reason for being there and a very definitive moral and um it, it, it's it, it, it's sometimes nonsense but actually um it at the end of it we explain why we used it if that makes sense uh yeah. we explained that actually this is to give you an understanding that your audience aren't who you think your audience are or this is to give you an understanding that the things that you think are values within your company are not really values they're they're just customer priorities if that makes sense which is very very they're, they're very different things so um you can say that as i've just said it now and people might kind of go okay or you can tell a story about why it went wrong at some point or why it went so right or why it was funny and then you connect with people in that way so that's how we use the stories but they can be a mixture of fiction and and real life yeah but they're just examples of of uh, how people can use a story to to build trust and credibility credibility i assume yeah that's it and sometimes we do actually ask um it depends on the workshop, but sometimes we do ask for the leadership teams to come up with a story about a particular thing as well. Um, but again, that depends on the workshop and whether or not it's relevant at, at the time. But yeah, we actually ask them to to come up with their own stories. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of creativity, in your in your own creativity, I would imagine that you use storytelling and writing as a as an outlet for your creativity. What? <laughs> What kind of boundaries do you set? Because I've I've had conversations uh, around improvisation and the uh, creativity. I mean, obviously, my creativity is sort of playing around words as well as you know, in a in a room, making up stories. It's kind of what it's kind of what I do. Um, but there has to be some kind of constraint. So how how does that work for you? Yeah. So it, it, it's interesting. I, I I like both sides. So. Um, I do like sometimes to have the freedom to just be sitting, staring out a window, not thinking about anything, and then suddenly an idea comes from nowhere. Um, I, I, it's not from nowhere. It's been building up in my mind probably for weeks or months, um, but suddenly it hits me, and I write about whatever it is that hits me at that moment in time. But for focus, for trying to get something on paper to explain an idea i like a constraint quite a lot um i like to maybe see uh, i saw uh, um some, some beautiful autumn leaves um as part of in part of my travels uh in in Ulm in germany um in in, in the recent travels and just seeing those leaves something kind of hit me and I was like, these are inspiring. I want to write about them. And then I thought, okay, but I need the leaves to be my constraint. I need it to be about the leaves. I need to do something with these leaves, but I then don't want to just write a simple story that says, aren't leaves beautiful. Um, I was walking, uh, I was, 
this story would work just fine. Um, I was walking, I was walking alongside a beautiful river, and as I was looking around me, I saw the different color autumn leaves, and I felt a sense of home. This story works; it still has a resonance, but also it inspires me to be a little bit more creative and to go, okay, well, what can I focus on about this leaf? And so I saw a particular leaf which had. Um, a multitude of colors. There were the red leaves, there were the golden leaves, there were the green leaves, and there were the brown leaves that were sitting on the floor. And I saw this one leaf that had um, all four colors within it. And so suddenly that gave me a bit of an idea. What, okay, well, what exactly is it that um, I can do to make this leaf stand out in the way that it physically stands out anyway, but via the means of a story? And so off the back of that, I wrote um, a completely fictional, made-up story about these different leaves, almost taken on their own personas, and I used that to, again, put out into one of the newsletters, and within that newsletter, there was, again, kind of a message going through it, but it was also just about connecting with people who love autumn, who love being inspired by nature and having a little bit of kind of humor with a little bit of sadness and a little bit of all of the other emotions kind of blended in. So that's what I wanted to do with it. And so that's one example of a constraint, but it, it also happens from a work point of view. So when we're writing for clients, because as well as the workshops that we do to define brands, the business actually started as a writing business. It was um, intended to uh, help clients um, make their audiences think, feel, and take action. It's 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 our tagline. It's kind of what we what we were intending to do from the very beginning. And when you're working with clients, they obviously have boundaries around their services and around their products. Now, often what happens is these boundaries restrict what people write because they see them as, well, I have to write about the very, very specific features of this product in a very specific way. And it is important when you're writing for a product or a service that it's clear what you're explaining and it's clear the message that you're trying to get across. But you don't have to make it boring. You can use it as a boundary and therefore I don't like to think of it as a boundary I like to think of it as a muse for inspiration and so that's what I do with the products and the services that I work with I find them as muses almost and so I can play with them and write something that is both in, to my mind creative but more importantly for the client is going to connect with their audience in a way that actually makes them want to buy something yeah have you ever had a client say no that's too I, do, I don't want that story attached to you know I, it, it's too frivolous or it, it's yes serious enough yeah yeah I have um I, it, it happens from time to time it's it, it's most of the time if that happens um it's afterwards they may let one of these stories go out just to see how it works it works really well um, and then they come back and they're like, okay, you know what, you know what you're doing, have free reign. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, because often what happens is it's a bit of a fear, if that makes sense, of, yeah, um, of wanting to, to expand. But um, there are occasions where some clients say, no, uh, we, we don't want to, to work in that way. And actually, I also write 
quite a lot that isn't um, you know fictional stories. So when when I'm writing creatively, that doesn't I, I've given examples more because of it's uh, from a personal point of view of the the fiction and the kind of the fun um, leaves and socks stories. But when you're writing for a product to make it creative, you don't necessarily have to make it fluffy. They're, they're, they're two different things. Be creative, but in the tone and in the style of the business. So for example, I was writing recently, um, or a, a complete almost work of SEO for the purposes of, of SEO. Um, and it was a work around um, customer profiles and what a customer profile is and how um, uh, how it's different to a buyer persona and all of that kind of um, that kind of stuff. If I were if I were to write that for Puck Creations, I would have written it in a completely different way. It would have been done in the style that I was talking about, which kind of is using little inspiration and stories here and there. But because of the way that I was asked to write this, because of the information I found out about the company, their tone of voice, the way that they speak to people, it was done in a tone that is more direct. It was giving away information, but that doesn't stop you from being able to be creative. You can still be creative in the sense of you can maybe switch around the order that things come out. You can talk about a certain aspect first and then maybe add a little bit of humor in if it's relevant to the audience that you're talking to. So because of that, because actually most of the work that I do is done way before I ever start writing. It's done with the conversations that I have, the questions that I ask, the um, understanding of the brand, whether we've helped to define it in the first place um, or whether they've done their own definitions of the brand. That's where most of the work comes from. So it's rare that then people come back and say, actually, this is you know frivolous or it doesn't work for our brand because actually, I'm writing in a way that they've asked me to write. And yeah. I've sent them an email before I started writing, which says, remember all the stuff we talked about <laughs> that you wanted, that's how this is going to be written. And so, yeah, yeah that's that's how we so, I mean, You mentioned SEO there, and I know, I know that um, strikes fear in lots of small businesses, <laughs> um, just, the, just those three letters. So how do you write something creative when you have got the constraints of keywords and being able to be seen? Actually, I think this is um, I think this is something people worry about a bit too much. So when people are writing, I know I I maybe maybe misspoke a little because I said I was writing for SEO there. Um, but something that's really important is that you don't write for search engines, and if you do, then you're not actually very good at writing for SEO. When you're writing, you're writing for the audience that you're speaking to. You're writing um, for the people who are going to read it and who are going to connect with the brand. The SEO part and fitting in the keywords to make sure that they um, are getting the attention of Google, that they are getting the attention of Bing or whoever it is, that part of it needs to almost be a, a secondary audience. They are not your primary audience. So it is more than possible to write something that is gathering the attention of the people you want to gather, but at the same time fitting in a phrase here and there within the text. What I would say is we mentioned earlier the idea of writing 
with constraints. And for me, keywords are just another one of those create, uh, constraints that can be amused, that can be something that inspires the next paragraph, that can be something that inspires um, the next uh, headline or whatever it is. But they're not something to restrict you. And if they start restricting you, then maybe you need to start thinking of different keywords that are going to attract your audience. Because if you've defined your brand well, the keywords should really relate to who you are and to who your audience is. And so actually that level of knowledge that you have around them should make it a, a lot easier to come up with something to write. But my my one big, big kind of takeaway from this would be don't overly worry about SEO, especially not SEO keywords. And think about instead connecting with your audience. You can clean things up later and find ways to integrate SEO keywords afterwards. But the, if you're not connecting with your audience, it's pointless being at the top of Google yeah. because you won't sell anything anyway. And obviously the, within that, your brand is very important, you know, and obviously the story around your brand as well, you know, if you if you say to people brand, most people will see a logo or they'll, you know, they'll see a tagline or whatever. Yeah. How how do stories in that way and why is a brand important when it comes to storytelling and, and selling your business and selling what what you do? Yeah, so um, even if we take this away from storytelling a little bit, the, the reason the brand is important is because if I explain what a brand is in its simplest form, a brand is the actions that you take within a company to make your audience um, or to influence the way your audience think about you. I think there's a I think it might have been Jeff Bezos, everybody's favorite human. Um, <laughs> he, he said something along the lines of um, your, your brand is what everybody um, says about you when you're not in the room. I disagree with him on that. I don't think your brand is what everybody says about you when you're not in your room. I think that's your reputation. I think your brand is the way you influence what everybody says about you when you're not in the room. Now, that might sound like kind of being a bit pedantic and you know it doesn't it doesn't who really cares but the reason it matters is because actually that then feeds in to how you interact with everybody around you so when people think of a brand they often think of branding which is your website as you mentioned earlier it's your logos it's the font colors etc mm. and that's all part of branding and it all comes from your brand but it starts with something much, much deeper. It starts with all of the things I mentioned when I was talking about the Defining Your Brand workshop earlier. And if you're doing it right, your brand should influence not only the lovely colors that you have, not only the writing that I do for you when um, I'm writing a blog or a website or whatever it is, but it should also influence the way that you talk to your colleagues. It should also influence the way that you talk to suppliers. It should also influence the way that you, um, well, obviously it should influence the way that you talk to, to customers, but maybe collaborators, people who are working with you on a certain project. The way that you create a video, the way that you take a photo, the way that you approach people in a networking meeting, the way that you present something. 
all of this comes from having a well-defined core brand. And the reason it's important is as an individual, it's important to be consistent. People tell you all the time, it's important to be consistent as an individual freelancer or solopreneur type of business. But it's very difficult to be consistent if you don't really have a good idea of who you are, <laughs> because actually you'll be changing all the time to suit people. You'll be thinking, oh, well, this audience wants me to be like this and this audience wants me to be like that. But if you define your audience properly, the people that you actually care about, and you've defined your values properly and you've defined your reason for being in business, then actually you'll behave the same way all the time because the people who want to connect with you in that way will connect with you and the people who don't well you know you don't want them you don't necessarily want to be rude to them but they're not your priority and when you come in then towards bigger businesses it's also important that everybody is acting in a similar way so if you have maybe the ceo and i don't know the chief financial officer for example who have this really great idea of what the brand is and this you know they send out all of these messages and uh, it's all over the website that they have these really important values that you know, the, the typical values that often come out integrity transparency um they're always the ones that you see you know headlined on these companies and then you find out a couple of days later that um the uh coo the chief operations officer um has been fiddling expenses for the past um 10 years um all of his team knew about it um and didn't do anything didn't publicize it you find out that within the you know this this supposed to be this integrity within the warehouses um of uh, of a company the staff are not being paid or they're having to work overtime um, without, um, you know, they're working 20, 23 hours out of the 24 hours of the day, whatever it is. If, if that doesn't align to who you say you are, then your brand doesn't really exist. It's fake. And therefore your reputation, which is the bit that Jeff Bezos, I think, was really talking about, gets absolutely destroyed. Now, this can get a little bit complicated, so I won't go into the um, <laughs> the details of kind of uh, of it all now. But actually, there are certain companies who we might think, well, they have a really, really bad reputation. But to be honest, they don't really they don't really care about what certain people think about their reputation because it's all about their brand and what aligns with the core things that matter to them so even though we might think well this is a horrible company they might say well yeah but we're cheap we're convenient and um we are quick and that's the things that our audience care about so actually our brand is perfectly well aligned and we have a good reputation based on the things that we care about. Now, as much as I don't endorse that way of working, they actually have their brand pretty much spot on. <laughs> but if it, 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 when you're thinking about who you are as a company, the most important thing is that your actions align with your communication if they don't align then you might as well not bother because you will get caught out and you will lose business very very quickly you'll lose reputation first and then you'll start to lose business yeah no that's so true that is so true it's it's really aligning yourself and everybody in your organization to those those same core values well uh, we've got about five minutes before we have to wrap up um i'd love to talk a little bit about your podcast 
So tell, tell okay. us a little bit about uh, Storytelling with Puck. Why is it important for Puck Creations and for yourself to, to have a podcast? What was your reason for starting it? Um, we'll, we'll go back a step. I'll try not to make this story too long. <laughs> we'll, go back a, we'll go back a step. And Storytelling with Puck, the podcast, actually started as Storytelling with Puck, the initiative, um, which was a week-long um, uh, initiative I think three, almost four years ago now, um, that came about because um, my partner and I were getting really bored of what we saw on social media. Um, it was always the same old stuff, either memes on kind of the Facebook type channels or on the LinkedIn, it was um, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff type um, interaction. And we thought, how can we make this a bit more exciting? Well, we know what we love, let's get people telling stories. So we opened up the idea literally a week before um, we decided to do it. Um, we, we we had noticed that there was National Storytelling Week going on in the UK, and we thought, let's try and expand that and get people telling stories in whatever way they wanted, using whatever medium they wanted. They can, um, they can write, obviously, but they could put a video out there, photographs, uh, they could um, uh, scroll an illustration, do some kind of graphic design, as long as it told a story. And then our job was going to be to tell a story every day, but also to curate all of the stories um, that everybody else was putting out there and put them all in one place so that we could all see each other's stories, share each other's stories, and just basically say, fantastic, thanks, well done, and have something different in our lives, a way to connect each other. Um, over the years, um, it's slowly built up. And at the beginning of this year, we decided to really go big on it and put out a LinkedIn event. and. We were a bit blown away by the number of stories that came in this year. Um, I think we had something like 150 stories over a period of a week, which was wow. crazy. So we also then decided to do Zoom calls in the evening so that people could share those stories and get together and connect. Um, and, and we put them out there on YouTube. And in one of the final Zoom calls, um, somebody said, well, so what's next? What's happening next week? We had no plan for what was happening next week. This was only meant to be a once, <laughs> once a week initiative. Um, so sorry, once a year initiative. So um, off the off the back of them asking that question, we kind of thought through a few different ideas of how we could continue sharing people's stories, and that's where storytelling with Puck, um, the podcast, came from because we thought, well, okay, let's make sure that we can tell as many stories as we possibly can of as many people as we possibly can, um, but over a period of a year so that we don't have to have the work of curating everything because yeah. it takes it takes a lot of work. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, yeah, that's where it came from. And it has evolved into something quite special. Um, you came on, we're so grateful for you coming on. And you told such a powerful story. Um, that's me. <laughs> check it out episode 11 episode 11 <laughs> find it um, series two i should say episode 11 um so yeah your story was incredible and i won't give it away too much because people are going to go and listen to it now but i loved every single element of it and then we had a, an amazing chat about you and ooh, kind of a similar chat in the opposite way right to run to what we have in today off the back yeah. of it but also we've had so many different types of stories. Um, we've had people telling ghost stories. We've had people sharing um, really 
heartfelt stories about troubles with alcoholism and mental health issues and family violence and things massively varies depending on the episode we could have family violence one day and we could have somebody talking about um missing out on a brownie um in a cafe the next day so 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 varied and what I then love about it is I get messages all the time from people saying, after being on your podcast, we've connected with X, Y, and Z person, and we've got business out of this, even though we didn't really talk about our business. We just talked about whatever it was, whatever challenge it was, or, yeah. you know, a brownie. And, and so to me now, the reason we continue to do it, the reason we're going to have another storytelling with Puck Initiative in February, and the reason we're going to continue the podcast is because we've seen how well it works not just for us but for all of the people who are on the podcast and for all of the people who go to the initiative in terms of them connecting and building both business and also personal relationships so it's just it it's beyond valuable for us it's uh, it's so important yeah I mean I'd I'd started mine in in lockdown and it's just been such a fantastic opportunity to talk to some incredibly interesting and you know just some amazing people so in terms of networking and connecting and sharing stories it's just an amazing platform has has it sort of has lockdown changed your business in any way in just in terms of of doing things differently or diversifying pivoting a little um uh, so we obviously couldn't do um in-person workshops yeah um, when when lockdown first struck so we pretty quickly moved those to being online um and that was definitely a challenge to work out how do you how do you keep a room engaged? Um, they're whole day workshops most of the time. Uh, so how do you keep a, a room engaged for a whole day? Um, another really good reason to tell stories, by the way, they massively help uh, keep people yeah. engaged. Um, so that was the main change from that side of things. And from the from the workshops, they probably had a, a, a bigger, I guess, dent because of, uh, at the beginning, because of the, um pandemic but actually we've managed to use it so that we can now do these workshops with people all over the world whereas before we were only focused on the country that we live which is in the netherlands and and on the uk which is um where 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 i'm from but now we, we we do workshops all the time with people from all over the world and the option is available to anybody who wants a workshop to 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 go virtual so it it's really helped with that um and then the other side of things and Again, I don't want to, this to sound as, in, as if in any way I'm saying that um, the past couple of years have been a good thing because they, they've been an absolute travesty. It's horrible what's, what's, what's yeah. been going on. But to have some sense of positivity, we were very lucky that um, when everything hit, the type of work that we do is all about communication. And so that's partly with websites, um, but also we actually do a lot of internal communication as well. We write letters and we we send out letters to the staff, et cetera, for, for, from the CEOs um, that are, are tweaked in a way that actually match what they're trying to say, but done in a way that's going to um, make their staff maybe respond to it in a slightly, <laughs> in a slightly yes. more positive manner. Um, so that kind of work 
it just we, we got flooded by it and we were we were absolutely crazy um off the back of it so it didn't massively change um the writing work that we do but it definitely expanded it we had a yeah. we had a lot more um work over um over the pandemic than we'd even previously had before and yeah. in some ways that's uh, actually this is an interesting point i was about to say that's luck but i think it's brand there you go that's why brand's important. Mm. So what, what aspect of your brand? Sorry, we do need to build. We will wrap up. I just have, I keep everything you say. I've got another question. So, so what, is it, what is it about your brand that has made it so important for this? Um, I, I think it's, it's got a lot to do with the way that we, um, the way that we communicate, the way that we tell stories online, um, the way that we... Um, use a mixture of creativity, but also there's a sense of reliability of understanding what we're doing. Um, we, for example, once we start something like the newsletter, the newsletter just keeps going, it doesn't stop, so people can rely on that and they know they can. Um, we've also built a reputation, thankfully, with the customers that we have, that they have been you know, very happy with the work that we've done. Again, that's all part of brand building, um, that they understand who we are, how we work, and they tell other people about us. We don't ask them to, they just go off and tell other people about us, which is very, very kind. And, 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 and we're very grateful to them for doing that. But all of that, again, is about the brand. Every single thing we do every single day, the way that we react to, to, to things that happen, the way that we speak to people, I gives, again, the people that we care about, the type of audience that we know we want to work with, gives them an understanding of who we are, the fact that we are not pushy salespeople, the fact that we are able to communicate on a bit of a deeper level to understand somebody else's business to an extent that they will always know about their business way more than we will ever know about their business, but we will be able to understand enough so that we can communicate in a manner that befits who they are, if that makes sense. All of that, you can't just tell people that in a sales pitch. That's been built up over time and it's been built up by the way we communicate. And again, the way you communicate is your brand. Quite right. And on that note uh i'm going to show your this is your website uh that's www.puckcreations.com and if you want to go to uh, storytelling with puck that's just forward slash storytelling with puck storytelling with puck podcast <laughs> yes <laughs> I should have said that in the end. oh that's brilliant thank you so much for your time today yeah, and if anybody out there is interested in more, uh, learning more about brands and stories, then yeah, go to go to the website. So what's what's up ne next, uh, Stefano? What, what are you on to next? So um, as mentioned, we've got the um, we'll, we'll, there'll be more podcasts um, coming out. Um, we've got the uh, Storytelling with Puck initiative, um, which we haven't got all of the organization done for yet. But just don't forget it's coming up um, in February 2022. Start writing stories. Start thinking about stories that you can put out there. We'll have Zoom calls so that you can share your stories live if you want to. But you don't have to. If you feel nervous about that, you can just write them and, <laughs> and push them out. Um, but yeah, that's probably the next big project that we've going on um obviously we've got lots of customer work um that we're doing we've got the we've got workshops that we're doing with customers um but there is there are there are space for workshops so if there are businesses that would uh, uh like to chat with us about that we're, we're very open to hearing from you um, and yeah. i know you're quite um 
on LinkedIn quite a lot. So, so yeah. do you want to just give out your LinkedIn address? Yes. Uh, so it is not the easiest because it's my name. Um, but if you if you find Stefano Capicione, um, which is S T E F A N O, and then Capicione is C A P A W C H I O N E. Can you see on the screen there? Oh, I can. That is perfect. Excellent. So if you if you type that in um, after LinkedIn.com, um, I'm fairly certain that I'm that's my address. Yeah. <laughs> that's my address. Um, fabulous, it's... fabulous. Oh well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been fascinating, and yeah, I'd say we could have we could have talked all afternoon. Uh, so yeah, and if you want to see listen to it the other way around, then head off to uh, what was it, uh, season two, episode eleven. Season two, episode 11. And um, I promise you that Jackie is way more interested than I am. So uh, make sure oh, you go no there and listen way. to her stories. <laughs> so good, such good no. stories. Brilliant. Oh, well, thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> thank you, and you. Take care. Many thanks to Stefano for joining me to share some of his story, but also how and why we should share ours. What were your takeaways from our conversation? For me, it was Stefano's discovery from working in broadcasting that a powerful story was directly related to sales and how you can build a deep emotional connection with your audience when you share a story. The right story can be used to define your brand. So connect with me on LinkedIn or contact me through the website powertospeak.co.uk and let me know your takeaways. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, then please leave a five-star review on whichever platform you're on. And if you'd like to receive information about future guests or would like to know more about Power to Speak coaching, then sign up for our fortnightly newsletter at powertospeak.co.uk. Bye for now.